You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. And I noticed that basically everyone everywhere has that little bit of fear behind what's going on that we kind of don't talk about. And that's when I really decided to push myself into what we do here now and what became Extreme Vocal Institute because I noticed that it's everyone everywhere needs people to talk to about this stuff. Everyone can learn, everyone can benefit from learning more about themselves too. And that's really how I took the stuff that I, I think I was good at, I hope I'm good at, <laughs> and, and have taken that into what I do with all of my lessons. Hey, what's up, Vox and Hops heads? I'm Matt, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, brought to you by Sound Talent Media, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians to talk about their lives, music, and craft beer. I hope you had a glorious weekend. I most certainly did. This episode is presented by Heavy Montreal. Heavy Montreal is Montreal's premier metal promoter and i am just so darn stoked to tell you that i have teamed up with them to bring heavy montreal presents vox and hops brutal montreal to montreal on december 17th at corona theater this is the very first edition of this metal and beer festival and performing this year is my band cryptopsy alongside the agonist the great sabatini necrotic mutation and burning the oppressor all night long, you will be able to drink beers from some of the best breweries here in Montreal. I'm just so damn stoked. We have BG, Brasserie Urbaine, Massorum, Brassatorium, Brasserie du Bas Canada, Sir John Brewing Company, as well as Saint-Kim Baron and Brassard de Montréal. The tickets to Brutal Montreal are now on sale, and you should absolutely pick one up if you intend on going, because this show will sell out. I am just so damn stoked to have Heavy Montreal behind the Vox and Hops podcast. Now, before we jump into today's episode i would just like to ask you to follow the vox and hops metal podcast on the podcast platform of your choice but more than that i'm also asking you to tell a friend about the podcast if there's someone in your life that enjoys metal music or craft beer well make sure to tell them that vox and hops exists you can tell them that there are over 300 episodes available with some of the world's best metal musicians for them to go back and listen to if you would encourage one of your friends to become a future Vox and Hopshead, that would be something that I would greatly appreciate. Now, on today's episode, I'm with David Benitez of Renaissance and the Extreme Vocal Institute. Get ready, everyone. This is Vox and Hops, episode number 302. I warn you, what you are about to hear is very disturbing indeed. Hey, what's up, everyone? Today, I'm with David Benitez of Renaissance, the vocalist, and of course, he is from Extreme Vocal Institute. He is a fan-fucking-tastic vocalist. I am uh, very excited to be with you. Let's start with a simple yet complex question. How did you cope with this glorious pandemic that is lingering, but is just about done? The big, the big way we got through it, and again, really, really happy to be here with you today, and I love this podcast a lot. What we did to kind of get ourselves through it is we actually took all of that time, especially the beginning of that kind of lockdown in the U.S. where everyone was just kind of at home, not knowing what to do or what was really going on. That's where we really built and made the foundation for our EVI Now program. And that's our online guided lesson program, which is basically like the virtual version of taking a lesson with me that you can take with you wherever you go that's available 24 
hours a day. We just like locked ourselves into where we were. We built up a whole studio space where we are. That's the set that you'll see in our YouTube videos and in our online program. And we just made hours and hours and hours and hours of different lesson videos to be able to help people do what they want to be doing from wherever they are, especially because we couldn't do any teaching in person either and everyone everywhere wants to learn. So that's really what we did during that time period to get ourselves through it. Genius idea. Uh, Is it something that you had in the works in your mind on the back burner, but because the world was just open and busy that you just didn't have time to get to it? We had talked about it leading into different things here at our camp. Like we had had this idea for a little while. We were building it kind of slowly, kind of teaching ourselves the components of what it would kind of take to create a program like this because there's a lot of stuff that goes into it behind the scenes. And then when COVID hit is when we were actually planning on starting the process anyway. And and I say this to people all the time, we actually, and at least I actually use the term, we should just quarantine ourselves to get all of this started. <laughs> but then that became like the word that we didn't really want to use anymore after that. But that, that just happened to be what we were talking about, just locking ourselves in for a couple months and just getting it done. Unbelievable. Uh, I know that a lot of work goes into stuff like this. Um, my drummer, uh, Flo Mounier, uh, put out Extreme Drumming, a DVD, back in the early 2000s. And it was hours and hours of work. And he really was very successful for that because the internet hadn't taken off yet. But you've taken it the next level and putting it all online is a genius, very modern, and a smart way to help many vocalists become better extreme vocalists. Oh, yeah. It's been crazy to see what we've been able to do with the program just just in the last year or so. The program only became a year old back in June, officially. Wow. And what we and we've been building more courses since then. We like to put up a new course every month or so to be able to continue to bring new information to people, to continue to push new ideas and create new perspectives for people just for the different ways that there are for being able to do all of this and do this thing that we love here, which is vocals, which is screaming, singing, everything. Fantastic. It's just I love it. I I have so much I want to talk about. <laughs> but first, let's just jump into uh, Vox and Hops is all about hanging out with my metal friends, talking about their lives, music, and craft beer. Yes. Now, what are you drinking on your side today that we're going to be sharing virtually? So I'll talk about some of my favorite beers from home as well, because we are from the Boston area, Boston, Massachusetts, and there are a lot <laughs> of breweries in the area. There are more breweries than people <laughs> sometimes, <laughs> so it seems, but we're not actually there right now. We are more close closer to the DC area because I'm actually in the studio right now working on some more songs for my project Renaissance, which I'm sure we'll get into and a couple other things Mm -hmm. as well. So we've been here for about a week and in preparation for this, I was starting to realize I don't know any of the breweries in Maryland in, in the United States. So I started to explore some of the beers that are available craft wise, option wise while we've been here to kind of prep for this to have some stuff to talk about. And I landed on two new favorites for when I'm down here in the area. This one's empty because I already drank it. (laughs) This is from Crooked Crab Brewing Company, which is in Odenton, Maryland. And it's called 
Age of Crabtron. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Really intense. It's apparently like like the little like it's the sister beer to something they call the Infinity Crab. Really, really good. It's a New England style IPA, which is definitely more my thing. I like awesome. uh, a little bit of the heavier, a little bit of the more bold flavor wise, more full bodied than like kind of the the hazier, juicier side of things as well. So this one was a really nice find. And then I think my absolute favorite this week from just my my studies, <laughs> my research, <laughs> as it were. You're, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> is from Peabody Heights Brewery in, let me say this correctly for them, this is in Baltimore, Maryland. So this is called Unforgivable Curses Triple Belgian. Hell yes. Like, I don't know how well the can is showing up because a lot of oh, the yeah. design is very dark. It's metal ass. I really, love it. really cool. It has a lot of like different coffee notes in there. There's almost like a really intense spice element to it. But like, I love a good triple. This is really it's dense. Massive it's ABB. Like, it's like 9% that one. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Like really, really cool find. It was kind of in like the back of the store I had been going to, kind of hidden. So I almost, I almost missed it. But it was calling for you, David. Oh yes. <laughs> and this one is not open yet, just in case. Perfect, perfect. On my side, I'm gonna be drinking something brand new. This Ooh. is from Jackal Hop. This is a brand, brand new brewery. It opened like I think a week ago, or two weeks ago. Oh, that's uh, here so in exciting. Quebec. Just outside, uh, I just. Just just hooked up with the brewers. <laughs> we met up at Melon, which is another awesome, very cool uh, craft beer brewery right near my house. And I was there, let's say, 40 minutes ago, hanging out with Nick <laughs> Sim uh, from Jackal Hop. And uh, he hooked me up with this. This is their session, New England IPA. They got uh, Equinot uh, Cryo, Cryo Equinot Hops, Hull Melon, which is more of like a classic hop, and Cashmere. Have not Ooh. had this. 3.7% Session New England. I'm going to pour this out. And David, I'd, I'd love to hear about your very first beer. Uh, my very first one. I'm going to open mine as well over here. <laughs> Mid-afternoon. Why not? But my very first beer, I think, if I'm remembering correctly, was actually a Sam Adams. Be being from Boston, that's <laughs> very classic. <laughs> It's a step up from mine, that's for sure. <laughs> and I think it wasn't even like the regular Sam Adams. I'm pretty sure it was the limited run that they do, not necessarily like in the beginning of winter, but towards the end. It's so it's something they release every year around February. Like the, It's like winter crisp, something like that. I might not be remembering the name correctly, but it's more of their late winter, very limited release that they would put out for like maybe a couple weeks. It was kind of, I would say, almost more like a blue moon. Oh, yeah. Okay, cool. More, but, but, but a little spicier and a little more dense. S still very drinkable. Still very kind of like you want to just like hang out like by like the fireplace kind of beer. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. But that's, that's like something that keeps you warm. The ABV must have been high on that, too. You mm -hmm. started with a very good beer. That's exciting. Very exciting. Cheers to you. Cheers as well, my friend. <laughs> Gorgeous milky haze on this. Mm-hmm. It smells fantastic with those hops. I would nor if I were home, I would normally drink this out of a glass, but alas, <laughs> you got to work with what you got. It's smooth. It's got the little mild hop burn, mm. um, juiciness. Uh, it's got that light body that a session has, uh, which I enjoy. 
Um, I'm not the biggest fan of sessions normally because of that, but this one this one does the job on a Saturday afternoon at 2 p.m. This is perfect. Cheers, cheers, cheers. It's cheers funny to that Jackal you Hop. it's funny that you mentioned that, and yeah, that's really cool about that brewery coming up right by you. We had a conversation on the ride up here, up to the studio about a week ago today, about like this was just a random video that had thrown it itself at me on the internet about like the old coca-cola recipe versus the new one and how like they've changed different things and about people asking what even is that flavor in the first place like what is this supposed to taste like and if you google what coca-cola is supposed to taste like the description is the most immaculately well-worded thing I've maybe ever read. Like, it's just such colorful imagery that they have for it. It's really extra for what it is, but it's essentially like a little bit of herb and spice, a little bit of earthiness, a little bit of sour, a little bit of sweet is kind of the what you have there. And oddly enough, this triple has a lot of those same kind of, there's a little bit of a sour element, there's an earthy element, there's kind of a spice element. So, because we had just talked about it, there's a little bit of a Coca-Cola kind of (laughs) attitude, I'll say, to this. And then my producer, Taylor Larson, cracked into one yesterday and told me that it tasted like barbecue water. (laughs) <laughs> which I disagree with. <laughs> but that's neither here nor there. Amazing. <laughs> I want to hear about the soundtrack of your youth. When you're growing up in your parents' or guardians' house, what music was playing when you were not in control of the radio? What music did your parents or guardians listen to? It's a good question, actually. And that actually was what started me on kind of my musical journey, I'll say. I'll say. It was a lot of classical, a lot of jazz predominantly Mm. growing up, which is then what I got into. I was actually predominantly a trombone player for most of my life and started out in different orchestras and in all the jazz bands and everything and like that growing up, yes. So that's kind of where everything kind of was centered around. And then other things would like what we do now of course that that didn't come until a bit later very interesting so that says you know being a trombone player you already had a fantastic foundation uh for control of breath oh yeah that definitely made a big difference and i even use a lot of my experiences from that as a wind instrument player and thread that into the way i teach different things about breathing today because it's all about breath Mm -hmm. when i'm on stage sometimes that's just that's like this mantra (laughs) <laughs> that goes through my head. A lot of people don't understand it. What do you mean it's all about breath? But it's all about breath. If, you're, if, if your foundation is there, you're going to have a better show. Oh, yeah. And, and, and not even just about making the sound, but about being able to even just have like yourself be able to move around and mm-hmm. still have the sounds happen the way you need to when you're running laps or like yeah. some people I know, <laughs> w- like windmilling like a helicopter. Yeah. <laughs> I'm looking right at you. <laughs> It's something I always talk to people about is, is that first you, you, you track your record, right? And mm-hmm. you're ready for that and you do that and you're happy about it and then you jam it and you're, that's the next struggle because you got to do it for real all yeah. together all at once because, you know, we're new school and we don't track live off the ground like maybe we one day should nor think about doing a record like that, but <laughs> it would be hard. Uh, and then from the jam room, you master that and then you take it to a stage and then that's the next thing because you got adrenaline and you're moving more. But if you have a foundation of proper breathing, you're going to get through it a much, much easier time. <laughs> oh yeah. And it's what your body needs to just, uh, it's just the catalyst to everything. It all starts with breathing. It's the foundation of everything. 
and you can really make it work for you. It's not even like something you need to actively ah, hyper focus on or worry about because the way I like to say this in lessons is it's kind of like if I were to make you think about the amount of times you blink per minute. Mm. And now that I've said that, blinking sucks. <laughs> now it's awful because something it's that's like automatic me, like is me now sipping. manual. <laughs> exactly. So it's just letting all of these good things just kind of run in the background for mm -hmm. you. It becomes uh, muscle memory. And that's why it sucks so much when we take a break. Oh, yeah. And I've, I've worked with a lot of artists on that over this past year and a half because for a lot of us, kind of for the first time, people have had a longer break than they've ever had. Oh, hell yes. And for a yeah. lot of people, the way they practice is touring. The way they practice mm -hmm. is shows because they're on tour more often than they're at home. So there hasn't really been a need for like a solid practice regimen and like a deeper mm -hmm. understanding for the screams because all of that great work was just getting done through experience but what happens when you just are suddenly at home without those shows that's that's a big thing that we've been doing here over this last year and a half with all of the artists that we work with just helping to get people conditioned for whatever comes their way because there's still a lot of tours happening now for the time being and lots of different people have been planning and prepping different album releases and lots of different music and people have needed to have a way to keep themselves vocally in check but without their main anchor which is touring which is shows the you know i have to do this some people don't like to put the work in you know <laughs> <laughs> you know, if if, if you're get, if you're getting paid and you're playing and and you the passion is to perform, you're going to get your work in that way. But now we have to work out. Yeah, some people just don't like to work out. So so good good for you for giving people that. Let's talk about becoming an extreme vocalist from a trombonist to extreme vocals. It's it's a big leap. I see the connection because of the breathing, as I mentioned earlier. But yeah, how did that happen? Apocalyptica. Re okay, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was something that my mother found on like the on demand for whatever cable service we had at the time, like in the mid 2000s. And she had found by kind of by accident, just scrolling around like something of Apocalyptica. I think they were playing their rendition of like Hall of the Mountain King, something like that from one of their many live DVD releases. And she showed me this classical piece being played in a very different kind of expressive way that I've never seen before and with a different kind of energy that is something I kind of think I had cooking all along I didn't even know was there instantly hooked and right after that they put out a record that featured a lot of different vocalists I believe it was um it's the purple one, whatever the, the all purple album that they put out was. And they featured a lot of different vocalists like the singer for Three Days Grace, a lot of other people. And Corey Taylor from Slipknot was on that record as well. And then it was all over. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, at what point did you feel comfortable enough um, teaching people? Because I did it for a bit, honestly, back in, I think it was in 2012 mm -hmm. 2013 maybe even before that and i did it via skype and i would always do one lesson with the person then i'd be like you're good <laughs> just just do that <laughs> <laughs> and that was it it was over and uh, <laughs> so you you building a lesson plan and all this t t t talk to me about coaching people about extreme vocals um what how you got to a point that you were so comfortable that you felt that you could teach other people so with that i've 
kind of in like all regards. I've always been a more patient person, I'll say. Like I've done a lot of different stuff, like helping people through other things. Like I tend to be and have tended to be the one to like help different friends through things like growing up and like helping people like understand different things, like in different classes. And then with music, like as I was doing different things, like how I mentioned, like with like more of the classical, more of the jazz and different things, I would kind of help others along to where they wanted to be, like the people around me and things like that. Anytime people had questions about this general understanding. And even if I wasn't using the most technical terms or didn't necessarily like go into all of like the insane detail of everything, I kind of saw how the way I would talk to people would help them come to a better understanding about what it was they were trying to do, whether it was something class-wise, music-wise, or just life-wise. And that skill kind of progressed as I kind of came into adulthood and I started to like tour for the first time and like what like went to school briefly and then like was really focused on playing shows and as I was really getting into it because like I started like having my first bands and stuff in late high school and then like like I mentioned like the earlier touring days and stuff like that a lot of people would come to me for help with their voices because everyone was kind of struggling a bit around me and like my own local scene and then the different areas I would go and I would kind of show people what a little bit of what I'm doing but more importantly try and help them figure out a better way of doing what they are doing and not necessarily basing it on anyone else absolutely because that's such an important thing and then people would like work on that they would feel better but then they would kind of come at me with more questions another time I would kind of help them a little more and I kind of developed this knack for teaching that way and then later on I started working at an establishment called School of Rock as well I worked for one of those for a little bit of time just because that job kind of fell into my lap a friend of mine moved away and they're like hey do you want this job oh okay (laughs) and I had never really taught in a formal setting so that took some getting used to but that really helped me like learn like the fast-pacedness of like working with a lot of different people all at once Mm -hmm. and it really helped with that and at the same time as I started to like make more of a name for myself like in the world of vocals with everything what I was doing with music and putting myself out there I started to connect with more and more artists in the industry and started to play with more and more people like in their own bands in their own areas and I started to notice that there was a commonality between everyone kind of having a little bit of this fear about what they're doing is like hurting them a little bit and they don't know and some un, like a lot of unknowns about their own voices and their own sounds and about how they're doing what they're doing and i noticed that basically everyone everywhere has that little bit of fear behind what's going on that we kind of don't talk about and that's when i really decided to push myself into what we do here now and what became Extreme Vocal Institute because I noticed that it's everyone everywhere needs people to talk to about this stuff. Everyone can learn, everyone can benefit from learning more about themselves too. And that's really how I took the stuff that I, I think I was good at, I hope I'm good at, <laughs> and, and have taken that into what I do with all of my lessons now, with all of the clients I have, with all of like the long-term coaching people I work with, and with everything and all the, the video content we put out as well. I think it's amazing. I've been following you on Instagram for a while now, and, and the way that you teach is very clear. Thank it's you. simple, easy to understand, because being a vocalist 
is very different than any other mm. instrument because you can't see anything that's happening unless you put a camera down your nose. Mm. So, so, so it's all about visuals and, and describing things in, in like an imagery type way that really helps people understand. Now, when I started Extreme Vocals, I immediately gravitated towards uh, Melissa Cross, Zen of Screaming. Mm -hmm. um, I think she was the biggest extreme vocal coach in the early 2000s. Nowadays, there's, there's yourself. There's Mary Z from um, Voice Hacks. Uh, there's a bunch of amazing people doing amazing things. And I think that was needed because Melissa Cross is amazing. But I feel like she never really got to the point of describing how to perform extreme vocals. I think she just sort of scratched the surface on how to keep ourselves safe from damage that improper use of our voice can bring us. But I don't feel like she, she, she didn't dig into what you guys do, you know, properly demonstrating fry vocals and properly demonstrating um, big gutturals properly with the false chords. I feel like you guys are on top of this way more than, than, than the Zen is screaming Melissa Cross. And no disrespect to Melissa Cross, she's a pioneer, she's amazing. But uh, talk to me about your path. Did you go through? Did you follow the Zen of Screaming? Is that something that you, you used to do back in the day? Um, where do you see uh, teaching extreme vocals going in the next few years? The way I like to talk about this is to use one of my favorite phrases that I use all the time when I'm teaching as well, in that there's never just one way of doing something in any regard, no matter what it is you're talking about. There's never just one right way of doing something, and there's never going to be just like one source of information for something either. You never want to only use one thing or only go off of one person's opinion on something as well. Because at the end of the day, no matter what you do, everything is based on some sort of either personal preference or experience as well, because we only are ourselves. That's true. And that's not to anyone's fault either. So when it comes down to like the amount of different ways there are to learn and the amount of different sources there are, a lot of the information can kind of be the same, but the difference starts to become in the delivery, in the way the information is being presented and being kind of packaged and delivered to you. And different kinds of communication work for different kinds of people. Some people will love one sort of presentation and other people will kind of be met with kind of glassy eyes like they're not really getting it. Yeah, it's hard. Because everyone learns <laughs> in different ways as well. And that's kind of something I have, like a gripe I have against like the way standardized learning works in like different school systems because it's really not possible to try and take everyone and generalize the way they learn into one set way of doing it. Because not everyone benefits the same way. We don't all communicate the same way. And especially with stuff in relation to the voice and with screaming, this is really all about communication. So my personal philosophy is to take any information that there has been about this and then take what we're doing and what I'm doing, which is really pushing the envelope and discovering new things about this and cultivating new methods of screaming new ways of expressing yourself and new ways of taking the vocals that have already existed and reinventing them into something else and finding ways to cater that information and bend the rules to whoever the subject is because we're all different all of our bodies are different we've had different experiences we come at this from different places and we're doing it for different reasons 
which is why I make sure that we put out as much as we do for free to the public, which is basically anything you could ever want to know about how to do these different things. But then I also make sure to work with people one-on-one anytime I can to be able to take that information and best apply it to them. I think that's really what we're doing that's a bit on the different side. Like I'm making sure to innovate as much as possible and road test all of these different things myself before doing it with anybody else. And with that being said, I, I'm, I'm glad that you appreciate like the different kinds of areas we cover because there are so many different ways to scream. There are so many different styles. There are so many different genres of music and they're all the same in a way, but with slight variations from each other. So you really have to be able to tackle all of them in order to be able to help another person understand and then get to where they want to be. And now extreme music fans almost expect vocalists to be like you, to, to have all these tricks in their head. The expectations of the listener are infinitely higher than they've ever been. Yes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Now, I'm very, very lucky that I ha- found Melissa Cross. She kept me safe for many, many years. Yeah. But had I been learning how to scream right now, I would have been very stoked to find your content and to explore <laughs> that. Now, I have a friend. He works at a craft beer store here in Montreal. His name is Kevin. Um, the craft beer store is called La Canette. And uh, every week together, we pick the four pack of death, which is a Vox and Hops presented um, four pack of beer. And if you pick up all four, you end up saving a percentage and stuff. So it's basically a promo thing that I and I love this place. It's right near my house. Now, Kevin has been sending me videos from Extreme Vocal Institute for, for so, quite some time now. Oh, no so kidding. <laughs> Kevin is not a metalhead. <laughs> he does not know how to scream. And I have him here uh-huh. in the Zoom waiting room. I'm going to bring him in, and I would love for you to give him a mini crash scream course. Are you down for that? I am entirely down. Let's do it. Awesome. Let's bring Kevin in. Kevin from La Canette. Here he comes <laughs> with his very metal background. Kevin, how you doing? <laughs> Kevin, you've never screamed before, right? Never. I'm always trying in the shower, but never as... As it should, you know? So, David, I'll just let you and Kevin take over right now. Um, Kevin's never screamed before except for in the shower. Uh, Let's see what you can accomplish with him in five minutes. Five minutes. All right. Start the clock. (laughs) So, Kevin, again, nice to meet you. See you, man. So, with the... Like, it's funny that like, for someone that isn't as much of a metal head that you've seen a lot of our videos out there. I'm, I'm glad they were all able to make it over to you over there. Now, let's take what you're already doing, like maybe some different sounds that we already make, and see if we can turn that into something else. And reminder, we only have five minutes. (laughs) Perfect, perfect. A lot of the different styles of screaming and a lot of what's already out there is just based on things we're already doing throughout the day and a lot of stuff that we've already been doing throughout history. So it's not really having to do something new by any means. It's just kind of taking what's already there and putting it out in a bit of a different way. We all have the right hardware and anybody can do this. And we're going to kind of cover that together now. Now that you know, I'm halfway through this thing. (laughs) This will be good. So I'm going to use 
uh, technique with you, Kevin, today that's based on my idea from one of my most recent videos. This is on my TikTok account as well, one that's been doing particularly well that I call the movie theater method. I like to come up with a lot of different scenarios to get people doing this. Where I like to start is imagine you are at a movie. You're going to like the premiere of a movie you've been looking forward to for months and months and months, maybe years. There's a lot of people there. You're maybe sitting in like the front row, something like that. You went by yourself and there's people you don't know on either side of you. And it's the quiet, really intense, like, ooh, I have to pay attention. This is the important part of the movie. And suddenly you have to cough. You have that tickle in your throat. You have to get whatever that is out. And if you cough, you are going to ruin the movie for everyone. So we have to be able to clear the throat without drawing that much attention to people that are sitting this close to you. So you have to clear your throat gently. Listen to this sound. <clears throat> Hear that? Mm-hmm. Pretend you're in that situation. Try and clear your throat as gently as possible. <clears throat> there you go. Now, here's the thing. If we put too much ah uh, of our own voice into it, too much pitch, that sound's going to carry and the people are still going to hear you. Think quieter <clears throat> while still getting that thing out. <clears throat> it's the quieter I could go. <laughs> there we go. And the volume's breaking up a little bit because Zoom is like that with screaming audio. Sometimes you feel that kind of lower fluttering <clears throat> happening a bit like lower in the throat. It's probably not happening like as high up. Yeah, feel that. That is the false chords engaging. This is getting into what's called the false chord scream. That's just like these bigger flaps of tissue that exist above your vocal cords that are starting to flap together to try and help you clear the throat. That's mostly what this area is for. So we're using a very normal everyday situation to kind of trigger this motion. Now, we're gonna do that two times in a row, like this. <clears throat> Try that with me. There I feel, like, I feel like I've been punched too, you know? It's a mix between the cough and the punch. And now, if you feel that kind of punchiness, try and reduce it. If it's too punchy, the people next to you are gonna hear you. Think gentle. <clears throat> yeah, feel how it's a little more rumbly now and less punchy. It doesn't take that much to activate the motion. It only takes a little bit. Now, here comes the interesting part. Now we're going to hum. Hmm. Try that with me. Hmm. Mm. And now go back to the throat clearing. <clears throat> We want to somehow get both things happening at the same time. What we're going to do is we're going to start to open our mouth a little bit. Do the hum with me. Hmm. Mm. Now open your mouth. Ah. Ah. Feel how you did the same thing and the only thing that changed is your mouth opened? I guess, man. Go back to the throat clearing. <clears throat> and now just open your mouth. Ah. <clears throat> oh, yeah. <laughs> Try not to punch it. Feel how it kind of uh, went up a little bit? Ooh, there you go. The, the way a lot of the internet comments talk about this whenever I make this sound, it's the Batman thing. <laughs> <laughs>
which is which is very literally what's going on. So go ahead and try ah uh, with me. Try and get that throat clear with the mouth open. Ah. Uh. Uh, uh, uh. Mm-hmm. Let your mouth open a little more. Ah. Uh. Uh. And now go back to the other noise. Ah. Uh. Ah. Uh. Back again. Ah. Uh. Uh. To the open one. Ah. Uh. Ah. Uh. Now do both. Try not to huh, try not to hide from it. Go back to the the standard one. Ah. Uh. Back to the throat clear one. Ah. Uh. Uh. And now do both. Let let yourself kind of make that sound through it. Ah. Uh. Uh. There you go. A little longer. Ah. Uh. Uh. There you go. And now let your tongue get out of the way a little bit. Ah, uh. <laughs> <laughs> we're laughing a little bit, but you're you're getting it. That's it. That's the false point. Amazing. Screen. And if you and if you balance that and then just shape it a little differently, suddenly you're there. And then it's all about the presentation and the delivery. But that core of what you just got, that little bit of fluttery movement on top of your regular uh, voice and what's already there, that's it. That's all it has to be. And you just got it. Amazing. So very well done. Very, very well done. Amazing. It might shake a little bit. You might feel some of that punchy feeling come back. But that starts to get better with time, especially as you come to understand how you don't need all of that excessive force yes. just because of what we think screaming is supposed to be. We have to make it look really hard, though. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> how extreme vocal how to look like you're working real hard but you're not institute <laughs> absolutely kevin thank you so so much i appreciate that you did this uh, i'm looking forward yeah, to thank you kevin cheers to you thank you guys for having me thank you amazing david thank you so much uh what i do think I, I gathered from that little lesson right there is it's so simple and and the the you set someone up in a, in a scenario in a scene the whole movie theater thing. Everyone's had that experience, you know? So, so right. And that's into the psyche, right? Like half of it is a mind battle. And it's true that a lot of people, and even myself, when I started screaming for cryptopsy, I wanted to be the most brutal ever. So I was going really hard when in, in essence, you need to pull back and just let the voice, the air, do the work for you because your body's created to make these sounds. So Yes, exactly. And then even when you want it to be more brutal and more intense, like when you're a vocalist and you do the work and then that magical thing happens where you land the opportunity of a lifetime to really do what it is we want to do here for a career, which not everyone gets to that point. So it's an incredibly in like wonderful thing when that happens and you want to make sure you're doing a good job in whatever regard it is what you're doing and we when we start to think that sounding more intense and more brutal and doing better is directly in proportion with how much work you're doing to get it happening and it's actually the inverse it's the opposite especially for the more brutal stuff the more intense stuff like a lot of the really crazy kind of vocal sounds that are more on the popular side today it's actually about how much you can back down while still getting the sound to happen my favorite way of saying this is getting that maximum amount of sound with the minimum amount of effort and applying that balance universally that's maturity too though it's, it, you have to know your instrument 
you have to have gone yes, too exactly. far and and played with your voice enough to know where that line is and and that that's just experience and and experimentation and putting the work in a lot of people think uh you know we just pick up a mic and that's it yeah but there's a lot more <laughs> yes absolutely <laughs> Hey, what's up, Vox and Hopsheads? I just want to take a little moment about Cryptopsy's upcoming tours. That's right, I'm talking about the Scream of Perseverance tour and our headliner dates that coincide with that tour called As Summer Burns. The Scream of Perseverance tour is kicking off at the end of May and runs all the way until the end of June. We are supporting the mighty death to all. We are going all over the United States and we are hitting some of Canada. So excited to be honoring the legendary music of death alongside amazing musicians that performed on these albums. Even more stoked to be doing some headliner dates in some cities that I've actually never played in. If you are planning to come to any of these shows, you should definitely grab your tickets by going to voxandhops.com slash summer and you will be able to grab all of your tickets there. That's voxandhops.com slash summer. Do it, people. Come hang out with me. Enjoy life, metal, and craft beer in your hometown. Come to a show. We're going to have a great time. Now, enough about all of that. Let's get back to the episode. Let's talk about Renaissance. You guys dropped a Place of Pain back on August 31st. Um, talk to me about uh, Renaissance, what, what people can expect. You're in the studio right now. Um, I love what you can do because you are a fantastic clean vocalist on top of being a sick extreme vocalist and that's rare there's a lot more people doing it but not in as well as you are so so talk to me about renaissance talk to me about uh, what people can expect coming up um a little plug for yourself right there so with that and, and i'm glad you enjoyed the song as well my goal from the beginning, especially because of how I got into screaming with what you and I have been talking about here, my goal has always been to take the melodic and the intense musical side of things and the heavy, distorted, really crazy, primal, aggressive sound of screaming and in music combine them into really one thing as best as I can. Like a true half and half between the chaotic and the melodic. But it fits well. It's not a lot a lot of the times when these bands do this, there's like a they flip the switch and now it's this band. And then they flip the switch and then it becomes the other band again. But it's the same band, but they don't sound like one band. I feel like you guys put it together and it actually works together as opposed to yeah, I'd say like as an example, uh, Black Crown Initiate, their most recent record, and I told them this. I feel like they cross that line where they can—they're actually the same band that's flipping the switch, but it sounds like one band. It doesn't sound like two songs that are being pieced together as much as it used to. And and that's a, and that's a true statement. And what that was kind of the mission statement for this project when I got it started, because like I've had like my bands from high school, I've joined a lot of other bands and toured with them, and I've been in many other people's bands since. And when I've kind of worked on this kind of blend of different sounds, it kind of hasn't worked quite in the way that I envisioned it in terms of like what that real balance can be. Because a lot of times that does happen where people, it flips that switch and then it sounds like an entirely different group. or. It's like the ratios thing where it's like mostly heavy and then there's some singing here and there. Or it's the opposite, like a lot of like the radio stuff where it's mostly singing and then there's these little like little moments of screams <laughs> here and there. Let's, let's get our, our street our street creds. Yeah. <laughs> it seems kind of forced sometimes. 
in those instances. And I really want to marry these ideas together, especially with like what I teach as well. And there's so much emphasis on being able to understand just your voice in general and who it is you are through your voice, regardless of what it is you're doing with it, whether you're screaming or not, because that's how you obtain real understanding and mastery of your craft here. So that was kind of the idea behind starting Renaissance. I started the group actually about a year ago, about this time, with my producer, Taylor Larson. He's also works with groups such as Veil of Maya and Periphery and many, many, many others. And with what we do together here, like we we had started working together from like other bands I've been in and like we've had a lot of mutual contacts, but I started to come down here to work on my own music because he really wanted to do some stuff together. I wanted to try it out. We started to write back and forth and we really kind of got something special going on. It has to be the relationship, yeah. Oh yeah, and the way... Taylor understands how to write for the vocal and really write in a way where the music makes its own really intense statement while creating the perfect platform to have the vocal speak for itself is really, really incredible. And that's why I keep coming back here and doing these things and how I inadvertently end up spending so much of my time here. Uh, is Renaissance going to be a band that's going to tour, that you're going to get out there? Obviously, with the pandemic, it was impossible, but um, now it is possible. So if you could get out there and tour, who would be a dream package to put yourself in front of the perfect crowd? Hmm, I mean, that's, that's an interesting way of phrasing that question. I have lots of different friends and people like in my contact library that I know I can go to anytime I need players for anything or musicians, because right now the band is just me. Like Renaissance, my band is just me as the vocalist. And then Taylor is writing all the music with me and we're like doing everything together, but he's the producer of everything. When the time comes, I do have ideas for who is going to be up there on stage with me. And now that you've kind of heard the song and like with the video that's out, you can see the band with me and they're all incredible people and friends of mine and people I've worked with in the past that are all incredibly gifted at what they do. And you're going to see a lot of different kinds of faces out there with me once I am out there touring as well. We'll see when that happens. We're still kind of hatching all the plans for this stuff because we have a lot of different plans for Renaissance that we are actually in the midst of here in the studio right now with where we think the future of this will be going. But I'm sure all of you guys will be able to see all that sort of thing and be able to get excited very soon. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. If you could make a beer for Extreme Vocal Institute... I love collabs. I've done a bunch of them this year. I have more in the works. I just love making beer ideas. Uh, If you could make a beer for Extreme Vocal Institute, what style of beer would it be and what would you call it? Wow. Okay. That's an interesting question. I I have not considered that. If I could make a beer for the school. I think vocals are very complex. Mm -hmm. I think screaming is a very complex thing. But just like with the first beer I had, you want to make sure when you're introducing someone to it for the first time that you don't go too far too quickly, that you don't go too into detail. You have to build people up to that. So you want something that's not watered down, not dishonest, 
but just the right kind of balance. I think a very drinkable kind of more, maybe more on the citrusy side, more on the juicy side, because that's my personal flavor as well, but a very like drinkable 12 ounce IPA is what I would go with. Maybe a little bit of New England influence, but like mostly like more open, maybe not as dense, a little more of that juice side, just enough of the right kind of like hoppiness in there to kind of get someone started, have it be their gateway to kind of open the door for them and welcome them into this kind of crazy world that they're getting themselves into. Now, what would you call it? Welcome to the abyss. No. <laughs> <laughs> Dream scream. (laughs) (laughs) Here's my pitch to you for a beer. Now, what if we made a beer that actually had things in it that were good for the human voice? Oh, interesting. And then singers would drink it and would feel good. So like sometimes on tour, I'll drink like a throat coat tea. Mm-hmm. I like it for some reason. Habits, right? And then another thing that happens when you're a vocalist is that you have particular habits that you do. Yeah, and you then, have your list. And then if you don't do that and you have a bad show, it's because you didn't do that one particular <laughs> thing, right? And you cursed the day by <laughs> exactly. not doing it. So so what if we made a beer with, with things that are good for the human voice in it? And it could be a singer's beer. What 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 things things that come to my mind and I don't know if they're actually true or not. Obviously, is honey, uh, ginger, lemon. What else could we put in a beer <laughs> that would actually benefit the human voice? Like different things, maybe like a little bit of peppermint just to open you up a little bit. This would be a very odd tasting beer. It'd have to be like a saison, it. a saison with with peppermint, <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, refermented with honey, um, with ginger, local honey, of course, um, <laughs> only the best. <laughs> ginger and and lemon. The lemon doesn't fit in it, but <laughs> I think it's interesting. <laughs> oh yeah, and even with that, like, and everyone has their different ways of doing things. Having I will say, although we can we can create this dream beer that is like the cure all for different vocalists, you don't for all of our for everyone watching now, try not to have a beer right before going up. Maybe not like the exact same moment or like during the set, just because things like the carbonation and the alcohol content are a bit dehydrating. Yeah. And fun fact, when you are drinking water in that moment, with how hydration works in the body and how soft tissue functions, the voice is actually dead last in the things that benefit from when you drink water. So it's really about making sure you are properly hydrated beforehand to have the fuel that you need to get yourself through the set. Drink water here and there as needed, but it's really gonna be the water from before your set that's really gonna get you through. And then the water after that's gonna be the catalyst for entering the healing process sooner and more effectively. Wise, wise words. And then you can enter beer clock like sometime <laughs> a little bit after that. And then like, before as well, as long as you time it well. Because I, I, that's definitely my uh, beverage of choice. Wise words right so there. So it's not not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> I get asked this question very frequently. Uh, people will write me and be like, Matt, my voice sucks on tour let's say and a lot of uh, what should i do what's the secret so what would be your answer be you're on tour you're suffering you're either you're ill or you're just physically tired 
what did you suggest? So that's actually interesting that you phrase that question that way because that actually lines up perfectly with in our EVI Now program, our website guided lesson program. That's what the newest course we just oh, uploaded cool. is all about. It's all about endurance mm. and understanding the different definitions of what endurance means because yes that does happen a lot on tour and we can experience a lot of different problems but those kinds of things in a different way also show up when you're in the studio trying to do the best job you can when you're recording songs and when you're doing the really important work at home to kind of craft your sound and make sure you really understand yourself so you can take that understanding into all of these other important contexts now the conversations I have with a lot of my touring artists that I work with and a lot of the people that are out on the road right now, the big thing I like to talk about, and I'll talk about this with you as well, is ratios. Never work too hard for what it is you're doing. We've already said a couple times, like you want to like actually pull back and not do too much to get sounds going, especially for the more intense ones. But even on a day-to-day -day basis, like if you wake up kind of funny and you're not feeling it or if you didn't get enough sleep maybe you're in the van and you had the driving shift maybe you didn't get to sleep that much maybe like like stuff was crazy the day before there's like lots of different things traveling to different places like the air quality is different like the humidity is different the temperature is different there's so many different things that contribute to you being different every day so vocals are going to be just a little different every day so on those days where you're concerned about it or you're worried about it and you can kind of feel oh i'm not at my best Take that ratio, <laughs> and that's all of us too. We all have those days. And it's not about being perfect either. Taking that maybe like zero to 100 ratio, like 100% effort, Never, not that you ever want to do like 100% effort, but let's call your normal what you would do 100. Pull back to 90. Maybe pull back to 85. Maybe pull back to 80. Maybe pull back to 75, depending on how you're feeling. And you'll notice just backing up in these very small degrees, you'll feel infinitely different and unbelievably better in what you're doing and feel that you don't have to really work at all for what it is you're doing compared to even what you normally do. And yet the sound is virtually unaffected by what you're changing. And as long as you are going through the motions and putting on that show, because the other half of our job description is being performers, we have to captivate the audience. As long as you're walking the walk and talking the talk, you're doing your job. You're getting everything you need done. You're checking off all of those boxes for the audience and for yourself. And the sound will be exactly what you need it to be, if not a little better, maybe, than what you expect. Hmm. Very interesting. So that's that's a completely different answer than I would say. I don't just say shut the fuck up until showtime. But <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, and that works too because, like, if you're feeling tired, like the ultimate thing to do is rest and shout over the merch table. That's that's what kills me on tour. That's oh yeah. And even with that, like, it's about reevaluating what's actually happening in the moment. And can you switch that up a little bit to play more into your favor? Have it work a little more with you during those moments where you do have to vocalize. Because when your voice is tired, but it's show day, you still have a job to do. You still got to get up there and deliver. And you got to give that audience something that's going to be true to what it is you do. So you don't, you don't want to cut all the way back to like 50, 40% and not sound like yourself either. 
it's all about ratios. We're kind of riding this middle ground, this gray area a little bit. So we still sound the most like ourselves while being able to pull back all that energy and be able to more evenly distribute that throughout the period of time that we need it for. Fantastic. Fantastic. Uh, David, one last question. Uh, I know you're busy in the studio. Um, it probably doesn't happen to you very often because you're very in control. You take care of your voice. Uh, you, you, your voice is your way of life. And there's nothing worse than having too many beers and being hungover and then having to scream the next day. So I am curious, what is your hangover cure? My hangover cure is take every breakfast food you can possibly <laughs> imagine and have all of them one at a time throughout the course of the whole day. Amazing. Whatever that means to you, whatever those like, because because breakfast food is my comfort. That that's absolutely a hundred percent a me thing. But it's also because of like technically because it's a lot of carb based things. It's a lot of sugars. It, it helps to kind of absorb what's in your bloodstream. So technically, it is helping a little bit. But it will also just make you feel better because it's like you're waking up on like a Saturday or a Sunday morning and the first thing you do is smell pancakes. <laughs> there isn't anything better than that. So just give yourself what you know you really want. So, so you have to cook pancakes the night before. <laughs> when- <laughs> or you can do what I would do and make them very slowly and attempt to not burn them. Still burn some of them. <laughs> but overall still have a very good time. Amazing. David, thank you so, so much taking the time, hanging out with me, talking about your life, music and craft beer, giving a lesson to my friend, Kevin. Uh, this was an absolute blast. Uh, we could talk for much lore and I'm sure I'll have you back on to keep going because it's just always evolving and I'm very stoked. Oh yeah. Sounds like a plan. Thank you so much for having me. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers, my friend. Thank you all so, so much for listening right to the end. You know that I love and appreciate that. Man, was this ever an excellent conversation. As I said many times throughout this episode, I think that David is one of the best out there right now. As a vocalist, as someone that teaches other people how to do extreme vocals, he's really the best. And huge, massive shout-outs to Kevin from La Canette for coming on and getting a vocal lesson. I'm just so damn happy that he agreed to come and do this. He's such a trooper, and I love collaborating with him. And I'm excited to see where he takes his extreme vocals over the next course of the year. If you enjoyed this Vox and Hops episode, you should sign up to the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast's mailing list. You could do that on my website, voxandhops.com. That's V-O-X-A-N-D-H-O-P-S dot com. And when you do that, you shall receive one email a week containing all of the details of everything that has happened throughout the past week in the world of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, including all the details for any episodes which I dropped throughout that past week, if I've been a guest on someone else's podcast, as well as the updated links to the Brutal Awakenings playlist, which is curated by my man Jerry Monk, the metal architect himself, and is available on both Apple Music and Spotify. So please, please do me a favor, sign up to the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast mailing list, because there's just so much going on in the world of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, I would hate for you to miss a single thing. The Vox and Hops Metal Podcast is brought to you by Sound Talent Media. I have one more episode coming up this Friday, and it's the three-year anniversary episode of Vox and Hops, so you should definitely, definitely check that out. But until then, remember to enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. Cheers, Vox and Hops heads. Oh, 
Ever wonder what a punch from Elton John feels like? Or how you'd cope with having turned down the chance to be in Nirvana? Or what signal Keith Richards gives when he wants you to get the hell out of his hotel room? Fans of Too Much Effing Perspective don't have to wonder, because they've heard these exact stories and a jillion others on our podcast. I'm Alex Hoffman, former tour manager for Radiohead. And I'm musician and comedy writer Alan Keller. On the TMEP show, we get guests like Nancy Wilson from Heart, Jeremiah Freights from the Lumineers, and Modern Family's Julie Bowen to tell us things they may have only shared with their therapist, clergy, or a TMZ stringer. So join us on Too Much Effing Perspective. That's E-F-F-I-N-G Perspective. The only podcast you crank up to 11. Oh.